Welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast, season three, our first guest. We are mixing things up a little today, doing something a little different, a little fun to kick off this summer mini season. I am super excited for you to hear my conversation with today's guest. His name is Justin Clark. Justin and his wife, Amanda, serve at Branches Vineyard Church in Indiana where his wife, Amanda, is the lead pastor of the church. Justin puts out these amazing TikTok videos, which you're gonna hear more about in our interview, just about being a, quote, pastor's wife. While they're fun and you laugh, it also brings awareness to the stereotype that pastor's wives face on a daily basis. I had a great conversation with him. I'm really excited for you to listen. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I am here with Justin Clark. Hi, Justin. Hello, so glad to be here. I'm so excited that you're on my podcast because as I was just saying to you, it's I normally have women on my podcast and I'm so excited to bring some bring you on and have this unique take on ministry for women in ministry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, so my, uh, my wife, uh, Amanda, and I, Amanda's uh, a pastor of a vineyard church in Warsaw, Indiana. Uh, we, she took the job, um, let's see, we started at the beginning of December. So pr- we're pretty new to the, to the pastoring gig, but, uh, but we have been, I mean, pretty much since the beginning. We've been married, uh, I think, 16 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's been 16, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, it, and so we, we've had, uh, and we've been actively serving in the church for just about all of that. And, uh, so I, I primarily, uh, like worship leading as, and like music and, you know, all that, the arts period, um, has kind of where I have classically fit, um, for our first, I don't know, 10, 10 or so years of, of serving. Um, and Amanda, spent almost all that time working like in an administrative capacity. Okay. So like an office manager and, uh, but about, I want to say six years ago, we had the opportunity to go with a a team to plant a church in like a couple cities over. And so it was us and one other couple to start. And, uh, and the, the church that we were operating within was like a classically complementarian church. And so I was putting expectations on myself that I was going to be, uh, that I had to be some sort of, you know, dynamic type A type of leader. And Amanda was, Amanda was putting expectations on herself that she was, you know, had to support me and, and her ministry primarily was to help me with mine and all that. And we just tried to make it work for years and wow. <laughs> it never felt like a good fit for right. us. And, uh, but when we went to the church plant, it wasn't really defined. I mean, I'm like you, when you start something new, there's no momentum in any particular direction. And, uh, so we just did whatever, and, and there's no money and there's no people to do the work for you. So you just have to do everything. And, uh, so we both started teaching, uh, quite, a, quite a lot. Wow. <laughs> and, and of course I was doing worship leading and, and we were, I mean, we were building teams and, and kind of developing leaders and, it felt, yeah, it just felt so good, so good wow. to be able to function in those 
capacities. And so um, anyway, fast forward to last year, we got a call from a, from a friend who pastored, pastored a church here uh, in Warsaw. And he had a really rough season going through COVID and just said yeah, he had to be done. And, and so he estimated a candidate for the job. And so we we're like, okay, let's, you know, let's do it. Cause the church, the church plant, I mean, it, it grew, it was at like 400 people or something. It, it grew super, super fast. Wow. Yeah. So it was just a wildly, wildly successful plant. And, and we had, we had initially felt like we were there to like get the church built up and work ourselves out of a job and then, and then go plant another church somewhere oh, else. Wow. Um, but the, and the, while we were planting our church, uh, branches was the church in Warsaw, the one that we're at now branches was planting at the same time. There was like three or four other plants going on in neighboring cities. And those, those were all, one of them, one of them didn't make it, but all the rest of them stayed, stayed strong. And so we got to the end of our plant and we were like, Hey, this thing's established. It's ready. It's like super stable. Um, but we want to plant a church now. And they're like, well, you can't plant anywhere around here (laughs) (laughs) because it was too close to all the other churches. You would, you would end up, you know, harming their growth. And so the closest place that, that was suggested to us to plant was about an hour away. And, uh, and we initially like considered it, but my, my parents are aging and it's just Mm -hmm. not a good time for us to be, to, to move away from them. And, um, so then we got the call from Tom, uh, just saying, Hey, you want, you want to try for this? try for this job. Wow. It just, it just really felt right. And so there were, I think there was like 10 or 11 people that applied for the job and wow. And yeah, all for people from all, all men, all men from all over the United States. And, uh, I think they narrowed it down to three and then, um, and then they ended up voting for, wow. for Amanda. So that phone call, was that like out of the blue or was oh, she, yeah. was totally. this like in her, in your guys' mind of, her being a lead pastor of a church or was it kind of like, Oh, you know, we hadn't planned for this. Not really. We, we had planned, we had been, all of our discussion had been around the idea of church planting. And so if you're planting a church, you can set it up any way you want. You can be, you could be a board led church and then, then the authority rests with them and you're just a teacher or you could, you could do, uh, a co-pastoring couple where you're just both pastors from the, from the very beginning, you know, and, or you could do like the classic senior pastor type of model, which would force us to one of us to be the senior pastor. And honestly, like, I don't think either one of us really like, I initially, I think we were, we were, the discussion was what's going to be the easiest model for our target demographic to be able to, you know, be a part of and, and find connections and safety and, and a, and a family. <clears throat> and so initially we, we kind of thought like, well, I mean, female pastors are still not really, it's still not widely accepted within, you know, our, we're in like Northern Indiana, it's pretty, pretty rural. And, you know, it's still very, very traditional in its mindset. And, um, and then Fort Wayne, the town that we were, the town that we were possibly plant, going to be planting a church at, is very, very religious, super traditional. And so, I mean, there are denominations, obviously, like, you know, the Methodists and I think the Lutherans that have been ordained women for, you know, hundred years or whatever, but the vineyard is, you know, 
they only they only really transitioned about a decade ago and wow. so it was still really new and the female pastors that we knew that we know or that are friends with um they've had a hard time and right. and so we're we're like wouldn't i mean we're both going to be doing whatever it is that we're doing anyway the ta- the title is just to to help your your people to organize their world like understand who's you know who's in charge or who who do i talk to or who do i look to it right it, it really doesn't i mean it it if it if like we're going to be doing the same work either way because right. we know we know what we're good at and and yeah. so if the, and anyway, she I mean, sort of was a pastor already just oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> doing doing everything i mean go right down the line everything required of a pastor in the scripture she was she was right. good good at it like not just doing it she was killing it you know wow. and um, so we, we initially thought like, well, maybe it would just be easier just to say that I'm the pastor. And then we, we both pastored anyway, you know? Right. Um, but the more we talked about it, the more it felt like, no, that that's disingenuous to our calling. Amanda felt called to, to wow. teach. She felt called to lead people and to, to make disciples. Like she mm. felt, felt called to pastor. And the more we thought about it, it was just like, well, if it's hard, it's hard, you know, like right. I, we, you know, we don't get it. We don't get to pick what our gifts are. They are what they right. are. And, and, and you're, it's your obligation yeah. to, to use them. And so, right. and <laughs> so, I love that because we, a lot of so, talking to so many women, like you can feel called, yeah. but you don't want to come up against the opposition in ministry. And so sometimes we, we don't push forward or we question our calling. And so I love that you were like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be hard, but this is what we're called to do. Like yeah. that's, that's yeah. hard for people. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, but, but then when, when, cause we eventually got the phone call, you know, which we kind of, kind of saw it coming because the, the pastor couple that were, that were running it there, we have been dear friends with them for years and years. And so we, and they, they have a, uh, they have a boat that they keep on Lake Michigan. And so we went up for the weekend just to spend some time with them. And, and at that point they hadn't really made the decision to quit. Um, but they were starting to, starting to think about it. And so the whole, the whole point of the trip we found out after the fact was that they needed to talk, talk wow. to, to us about this, this transition. And, and so they were still trying and they were just wanting us to be sounding boards for them and get, provide feedback. And, um, and so we just, we sat on the boat with them over the weekend and, and just talked and asked questions and shared. And I kind of got a sense at that point, like, I think they, I think they might be more burnout than they even, than they even realized. Yeah. And uh, so we prayed together and, and, and just, you know, asked a lot of questions. And then a couple, I don't want to say a couple weeks later, they, they made it official that they were definitely done. And, but we weren't expecting, um, what we weren't expecting was that they specifically wanted her to candidate for the job, wow. which initially I was, I was like, come on, yeah. you know, I could do it. I think I could do it. But, uh, but again, the, the more I, the more I thought about it and the more I prayed about it, I was like, this is dumb. You know, she's so obviously called to be a pastor and, um, and I, I want that for her, you know, yeah. and, and I don't want that for me. Like, I think, right. I think, I think she would, the, the church would do better with her as yeah. a leader than, than it would with me, you know, that's really inspiring. I mean, <laughs> it's really inspiring that you could have said to make things easier on our lives or whatever we can, we can change this to be that I, I have the title, but you're doing, and you guys didn't take the, that easy road or the road that was more acceptable or, 
you know, yeah. it's inspiring to me because sometimes I, I come up like, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say it this way or do that. But, you know, seeing somebody that's like, no, I'm going to stand for truth and what's right, even though it's the harder way is just inspiring to me. And I'm sure many people. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, I, I don't think we have any regrets at all. It, the, the church is amazing. Like I, we're love it. We are loving, wow. loving the job. So that's awesome. Yeah. So what kind of reaction? So here you're in ministry, basically 16 years, you're serving alongside each other. Really? You guys are, you know, partners in ministry, pastors, even with, you know, though you don't have the title. So now your wife has the title and she's going into this position. What has some of the reaction been? Have, have you seen reaction of like, you know, that maybe you weren't expecting, you know, your wife being the lead pastor of a church? Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think I want to say all my surprises have been really positive because I, I think we both, we've just heard enough horror stories from women in ministry um, that I think we just, we had, uh, we went, we went, we went into it like, like ready, ready for resistance, you know? Wow. Uh, and we just didn't get any, <laughs> I think anybody, I think, I mean, it was, it was not a surprise to the congregation. They like the group, they, they knew like, you know, way before we started that the new pastor was going to be a woman and, and I think, I think at that point they lost one guy, a family, uh, and, and, and that was it. I think everybody that was going to leave over, it was left before we even got there. And, and our first, like we had like a, a, the restrictions were quite a bit worse back then. Um, so we, we had like an outdoor distanced, like picnic basically to, for the, to introduce ourselves to them. This is, this is probably like a month before we started. And, uh, and so we were just, they, we just wanted to give them a chance to ask questions and, and, and then we would, we would share some of our thoughts and ideas and vision and whatnot. And I was nervous. Like I, we were, yeah. we were both really nervous going to this thing. Cause it was our first time being together with this group. And, um, the group was just incredibly welcoming and, uh, and I could tell, like, I mean, th- this is, it's a shame that it is this way, but because like, because people's response to like, like, uh, you know, oh, I don't know, all the political stuff that's going on, you know, related to police brutality or to racism, systemic racism, or to COVID and the restrictions that you should or should not be applying to your churches. Every single issue is a kingdom issue, mm. but, but somehow we've, we've still divided ourselves into, you know, um, party affiliate choices. Right. Like if you're a Republican, you don't want masks. If you're Democrats, you do. If you're Republicans, you don't think that you're, you're for, for the police. If you're, you know, right. if you're Democrat, you're, you're, you know, for the little guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've, I don't think the church has done a very good job of, of setting an example for society in our responses to that. So the, the church branches, the one we, the one we started working at, they took a hard stance on masks. They made everybody wear masks and, and they, um, and they went to Black Lives Matter rallies. They did, I mean, they, they fully jumped in and had, you know, did a whole teaching series on systemic racism and all this. And so I had kind of thought like, you know, maybe maybe all the, all you know, all the ones, the traditional ones that would potentially leave over that sort of issue would have already left and, and we'll just be inheriting a very left-leaning church, which 
it is what it is. You want diversity, but you got to start somewhere. But what I was surprised to find is that it was, it was like a dead split. Like half the church are very conservative, like rights over anything. And, 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 and they, you know, like the, all the issues that matter to, to conservatives, they were all about those issues about gun control or, you know, not non non gun control and, you know, abortion. And, you know, not that those, not that those issues aren't relevant and need to be discussed, but, but they were, so cool to us. It, there was no difference whatsoever mm. in, in their response to us that the hardest core conservative in, in the church was like, I mean, our, one of our biggest fans, like just had our backs no matter what. And, uh, and then the, like the, the leftist of the left, you know, like they were like, yeah, we were, you know, right. we're, so, we're so excited that you're here. And we just, you know, so it, that was a, that was a big surprise for us. Like, it, I think it took a little bit for us to like, you know, let our, let our guard down really, sure. you know, <laughs> right. like, kind of like feel it out and see how yeah. people are and right. Yeah. And wait. And like, you know, the, the Capitol riot was a, was a great example. It felt, you really felt the weight of like, I have to say something about this, but I have to say it in a way that's sensitive to, to our, our, our you know, conservative as well as liberal, you know, mm-hmm. members, because it's a very politically diverse environment. And but we have to say something that that's consistent with our kingdom ethic. And, uh, and we thought, sure, we would get some sort of pushback from somebody about the way that we said something or, and no, nothing. Like we drew a very tough, very hard line. Like this is not the, you know, this is, these are the, these actions are inconsistent, absolutely inconsistent with with the ethics of Jesus. Uh, the violent acquisition of power is, has absolutely no place in the kingdom of God, period. So, whatever your political affiliation is, you don't get to like that. Right. right. <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't get any pushback. They wow. respect, respected us and thanked us for being direct. And um, yeah, it's just, they've been an unbelievably supportive group wow. of people. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I love how you have put this spin on being a pastor's wife. And that's sort of how yeah. I found you. And, you know, um, my husband and your wife are in seminary together. Mm-hmm. I guess they're in the same class right now. I think they are right now. They yeah. are. Okay. So, um, so, but my husband was like, oh my goodness, you have to see these videos. And so I just love the videos, which I would love to put like some links in the show notes. So people understand what we're talking about, Yeah. but, um, but tell us about the videos. Well, so, uh, if, if you're, for your listeners that aren't, aren't uh, necessarily, um, haven't heard of it before. So that the premise is like um, pretty, pretty much all my social media channels, which is basically Instagram and TikTok. I don't have a Facebook. I hate Facebook. Uh, and so all of my posting is based on like series. I, I do, I do mostly comedy. I don't, I don't like to post about if it, if it, if it's, if it's anything that deserves a conversation, I don't want to post anything about it. Yeah. I, I don't post political stuff. I don't post theological stuff. Like I, I leave that for conversation and I totally get that, that, that some people like that's, it's really important for them to use their influence for, to cause good discussions. That's totally cool. It's just not me. Hmm. I, I get, I get too bothered, you know, right. I, I can't, I can't just close the app and be done, you know, like right. I'll just, I'll be thinking it'll leave me alive for hours, you know? Yeah. And so I just, I just can't do it. So I've, I've devoted all my energy, especially through the pandemic to, uh, to comedy. 
I really want to, I, I feel like something that people need is they just need to laugh. They need to disconnect for a second. And, um, absolutely. And so I started a TikTok channel. Uh, this is, this is like going back before the pandemic started and I was making, um, I started with a, a series about how my next door neighbors, it's a conspiracy theory about how they, there might be vampires and, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the circumstances surrounding it was were all freak, but it just escalated really quickly um, to the point where, like, my friend, a friend of mine owns or owned at the time a pest control company, and I was like, "Can you get me a bat? I need a bat." Oh stat, my god! Stat. So I could awesome. And I, I mean, I full on had like multiple videos with this bat, you know, a live, a live bat, you know, uh, on my, I put it on my front door wreath, you know, and. So it was like my, you know, my neighbor was spying on me or whatever. I, yeah, it just, it escalated to like where, I mean, we made a trip to a, a, a vampire bar in Chicago uh, that was on, like on its website advertised, this is, play, this is a vampire safe facility. Oh and we gosh. went there. It was, it was so funny. Like I'm talking skeletons of things hanging. There was like uh these projectors, you know, shooting these occult images on the wall, like one whole wall was like baby doll heads, like, Oh just my gosh. Glued, awesome. glued to the, it was so, so tacky and creepy. Uh, but it, it just, it was getting hundreds of thousands of wow. views on TikTok, And I quickly got to like, I think at the time I was at like 15,000 followers and like, I mean like hundreds of thousands of likes and uh, and I was like, this is, this is hilarious. This is absurd, you know? And so eventually I ran out of vampire content and I switched to workout videos and, and I started doing these pandemic workout videos and somewhere in the middle of there, I broke my leg. Oh no! <laughs> uh, so there I was and I, I had convinced myself I'm, I can keep going. I can keep making videos because everybody just kept telling me like, man, it's, it's such a ray of sunshine in, in my otherwise awfully dark day. I love your videos. I can't wait to see it, see one. If it comes up, it always makes me smile. And I was like, man, this is, it's really helping. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't, I had to have like reconstructive surgery on my leg and, oh. and uh, it was horrible, horrible. So oh. I, I was, I was down for months uh, after that. And, but but that's the exact same time when the discussion was happening about taking over the church. And, um, and so as, as, as I was finally getting back, cause like I, I literally lost like 20 pounds. Um, and that was like sedentary sitting wow. all the time. It was just, I was in so much pain that I couldn't e even eat, you know, and, um, and my leg shriveled like to the, I mean, it was like literally half the, half the size of my other leg. Wow. And, and I lost I mean, I had been going to, I, we're, we both go to a CrossFit gym and I was in the best shape of my life, you know, and could do what I wanted to do and felt great. And right. I, I lost all, all of it, all the progress. And I mean, I, wow. when I, when I went back to the gym with the, like the boot on my leg, it was all I could do to just like sit on a tractor tire with like 10, 15 pound oh. dumbbells and just start rebuilding and so it, it was just it consumed all my energy just trying to live sure you know, right take, take a shower remember to eat you know so anyway when I was back to the place where I could walk like without a without a cane and running crutches or anything and uh, that's about the time we were getting ready to get started at the church and 
and and I just started daydreaming about like what's my next series going to be, yeah. you know? And uh, I just I couldn't I couldn't think of anything that I could think of that was funnier than the idea of a male pastor's wife. Yeah. Cause they're so, um, there's just a, a treasure trove of, of like stereotypes and tropes of women in ministry. Uh, and, and then the way that, the way that the people treat them and, you know, the way that the expectations that, that are, you know, that they'll whatever lead the choir or, or lead right. the children, children's ministry, or that they sing on the band or the way they dress or, you know, there's just, and there, and even within denominational traditions, like there's, you know, like, I'll give, I'll give you a sneak preview for my next one. I, you know, like in, in certain uh, black church contexts, like Southern Baptist style, the first lady wears like a, a nice suit, like a, you know, a dress with a, with a jacket and, and a big hat that matches the whole thing. You know, it's very, very colorful, super bright. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I was like, I got to think of a, a, what's the male equivalent of that. And I was like, just getting as ridiculous as I could get. I was like, I need to get a mariachi suit because oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like a, it's a full, it's a full matching flashy suit with like right. a bit with a big hat that goes with it. And so I ordered one <laughs> on Amazon and it was delivered a couple of days ago. And so I'm, I'm hoping to get that one out this, this weekend, but it I mean, it's, 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 again, it's just, you know, it's meant to be humorous around the expectations that we place on women uh, who are in, right. you know, in the, in the pastor's wife scenario. In reality, those women should be able to do whatever it is that God has called them to do and not be pigeonholed into a, a you know, a job that comes with her role right. in, the ch- in the church. Uh, so what I'd like to do eventually um, is, and, I, and I've already contacted it. I don't know. Do you know Jackie Reese? No. She's a, she's a, or a, uh, she's a teacher but she teaches teachers. She's like got her doctorate in teaching. Okay. I mean, I just spent, you know, time and taking her classes and stuff. Uh, but anyway, like I reached out to her right away and I was like, I need some pastor's wife stories. You know, like you need to hook me up with some women that can tell me some funny stories so that I can like right. act out their actual stories. Yeah. Um, and I, and I had, so she, she was like, Oh yeah, I know lots of ladies that would be willing to do that. And so I haven't, I haven't been able to, to like connect the dots, to get together with, yeah. with, you know, with these, with these women to hear their stories. But, but there's just so many, like just basic stereotypes that, that most people, right. most Christians know about that, that you can exploit for the sake of humor. But eventually right. I would, re- I would really like to get to a place where it it's funny, but it's thought provoking and it's somebody's actual story. Right. Well, I, I think that's what you're doing. I think, yes, it, it's funny and it's humorous and I'm, I'm, there and I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it is true. Like some of the things. Yeah. yeah. And because I've, I've talked to so many women, not just pastors, wives, I talk to women in ministry that are in different roles and you see the expectations that, you know, they feel in ministry or the things that they've gone through or the stereotypes. And it's, um, very hard for them. So I love that you're, you're having humor, but you're bringing attention to a real issue that hopefully like will like you said be thought provoking and even for the women watching it like even if it doesn't change somebody else's mind out there the women can see like hey i don't have to live under this anymore yeah yeah Yeah. and because our society is really the way that it is and i i I can't change it but 
it's, I almost feel like I, I can get away with more because I am a man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like if, you know, when women critique the, I think women get more resistance when they critique the obvious description, you know, uh, inequalities, you know, mm. or the, or the obvious, like, structures that they're after that they have to fit themselves within regardless of the way that god really designed them you know when women try to poke poke at that and and point out the flaws in it i think i think they get more pushback you know which which is sad because it's 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 never going to be truly truly authentic i i I live my whole life in a man's body i can't it doesn't matter that i've been married you know to a, a woman for 15 years and and you know i don't know what it's like to live in a woman's body and to pastor a church in a woman's body and to teach in a woman's body. I'm just never, never, never going to know what it is. I mean, just, just like with the person of color, like, I don't care if you have, I don't care if you have black friends. I don't care if you have a black, you know, adopted brother or whatever. You've never lived your whole life in a black body. So don't pretend like, you know what that is, what it, what it means to to live like that. We have to have a voice, you know, but I'll never be able to speak from a woman's body. And, but I think, ironically, I can get away with more though, because I'm, <laughs> because I, it's funny and, you know, and I'm, and they don't, it's, it takes it out of the, out of its context far enough that people can laugh at it before they realize, wait, do I want to be laughing at this? <laughs> right. Like, you know? Hey, this is actually like a real thing that, that takes place and this is not right, but it is, I, I do think that you do it with just enough humor and just enough, like, you know, that you, people can see the seriousness of it, but also laugh at it. And I think they're just, they're very well done. And I would love to put that, you know, the link to your, you know, Instagram and TikTok in the show notes, um, if that was okay with you, of course. what kind so have you gotten responses from them? Are they, you know, have you, has, have people responding well, are you getting any negative feedback? Yeah. Yeah. That's all all over the board. Uh, I mean, there, I haven't had, I haven't had any intense, like hate. Hate. (laughs) There's, there's been probably like two, maybe three people who have one, one guy who claimed to have been, to be a pastor himself. Um, I think he, I think he was misinterpreting it and thinking that I was, that I was making a critique about, uh, about like gender period, you know, as if, um, my wife being a pastor meant that I'm, you know, I'm not, not a man anymore, you know? Um, and I, and I tried to explain like, you know, bro, you're, you're missing the point here. This, that's not, I'm not making a critique about, you know, gender identity or, you know, like this is, it's more about, you know, the, uh, the irony, of being a man, you know, and in, in what is classically a female role. <clears throat> but anyway, and there are people who are like, it's in the, you know, second Timothy or first, whatever it is, first Timothy two. And they, and they, and they bring up these verses and I'm, and I try to always be kind and be like, so are you really telling me that this prohibition in this instance is a f- not contextual it's for everybody everywhere for all time. Like, is that really what you're saying? Cause I, I defy you to defend that with the rest of the new Testament, you know, and they bug out and don't, they just black, blackball you. Most of it though, uh, is, and there have been, there have been some women who, um, there was a, a one female pastor 
uh, or no, excuse me. She, she was a pastor's wife and her marriage ended and it was terrible. Um, and she got a kick out of the videos, but it, it, I could tell it was kind of a trigger for her and uh, based on her comments. And there are, there was one person, this is one of the most sad and funny ones. There's, there's one video where um, we're talking about my, my uh, appearance, you know, how, how I was going to be looking to the church. And so the joke was, you know, there's two, there's basically two kinds of pastor's wives. There's a hot wife like Laura Lentz, you know, and then there's the invisible wife, like Kay Warren. We used an, uh, Kay Warren as an example. And uh, because who, who knows what she looks like, right? You know, unless you go to, go to the church. Uh, but everybody knows what Laura Lentz looks like. And the, the subtext there, of course, is beautiful, successful ministry and marriage. You know, uh, the hot wife, you know, ends, ends up losing her. No matter how hot she is, she, her husband still wasn't faithful to her. And, you know, that was destructive or whatever. Um, but there were people. Lots of people in the comments, like one person said that she had gone to the same church, that almost everybody that watches my videos are women. So imagine all these comments coming from women. Uh, she had gone to this church for like years and, and at some point got invited to the pastor's house for like a cookout. And she realized when she opened, when the, the lady opened the door, this, this he, she had never seen this woman in her life, you know, and then she'd been going to church together with this lady. I gather it must've been a large church for years, but she'd never met the pastor's wife, literally. <laughs> wow. Uh, and there were just so many of those types of comments, right. like, uh, you know, lots of people saying how great their pastor's wife was. And, you know, she did the, this and this and this and this and, and lots of suggestions about, Oh my gosh, she should do, you know, a video about such and such or whatever, but so it's, you know, most, it's, it's, it's mostly positive. I, I watched that video where you did the, you know, that you were getting dressed, you were changing and, and everything. And it's funny because I had a totally different take on that. Like I watched that and what I've been struggling with lately. And I've say this to my husband, like sometimes I'll look at the people who have platforms on social media and they'll be doing a live video. And I'll say to my husband, look at this, look at this woman. I'm like, she's perfect. Look at her eyelashes. Look at her. And yeah. she's preaching and she, I'm like, I cannot measure up to that, you know? Oh, yeah, and yeah. I say that all the time to him. I'm like, I go to these, you know, I look at these events that are being hosted and the pastors, whether the woman, you know, in ministry, uh, a pastor, whatever, these women, I'm like, I, they are perfect. <laughs> and so yeah, when yeah. I saw your video, I was like, it just to me shed some humor and like, I, I kept, I was like, he's got it. Like there are these women that I feel like are just this perfect dress, perfect looking perfect, you know, and they're up there preaching yeah. and I'm like, yeah, you know, and this is the sad part that is almost like if, if it, particularly in Western evangelicalism, this isn't necessarily the case in like um, Catholic or Eastern traditions or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe so with Catholics, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't know a lot about that, but in Western evangelicalism, with our history, if if a woman wants to use her gift, like she can't, to the okay, to the degree that a woman it's socially acceptable to have institutional power, right, within a given movement, like a, a denomination, to the degree that a woman can achieve institutional power, that phenomenon practically vanishes. Like they don't have to look, they don't have to look perfect and hot. They they just have to be good at their job. They have to be a good teacher. They have to be a good leader, right? Right. To the degree that a woman, 
is barred from having institutional power, the only way to gain power, to gain a voice, to gain a platform is by alternative means through um, their appearance or their uh, charismatic ability or the tragedy that's associated with them. And, you know, their, their horrific story that God brought them through, you know, like women in, in conservative circles almost covet having a bad thing happen. Like, Oh my gosh, this lady, you know, her husband left her, man, she's going to get a book deal. She I just has a know platform, right? she has, she has a platform because of her tragedy, you know? And, uh, and so it's, it's like this, you have in one sense, like, the invisible wife, the hot wife or whatever is like a, is like a type of two of the two different systems, you know, the, the system where the woman doesn't have, she just has to be good at her job. You know, she has to be called and she has to be capable. Called and capable is is enough. When, when that's not an option, you know, then you have to, a woman has to gain influence somehow else. I need to get at people's attention, get them to listen to me some other way. And so, and with that, it's like, well, then you just signed up to be a movie star, you know, if that's what you, right. if, that's, if that's the way you're going to gain power, you know, gain a voice. Right. It's um, it, yeah, it definitely sparked something in me, you know, watching that just like, uh, it was good. It, Cause I was like, you shed humor on something that I could relate to. And I, it made me realize how magnified that is. And then saying to myself, like, this is, you know, I'm not in, it, it is silly to look at these things so intently like appearance, you know, and that's not how, what God looks at. Um, so yeah, check out those videos. I'm going to put them in the link. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk more about your role right now. I know you're somewhat new to it, but it was a shift. I mean, it wasn't a shift that you, you were doing ministry with your wife. Um, but now, you know, there's, title, the role has changed. Um, what are some challenges? Have you found any challenges that have come with that? Um, and like, how do you work through that? Who do you go to for wisdom or counsel in that role? Yeah. Uh, we've been super, super blessed, uh, to have some just great, great friends, uh, that, that are, you know, kind of post ministry, phase of their life, you know, retirement, uh, that we've kept up with. Um, one of, one of the, well, I mean, I talking like every week we, we, you know, either receive or give communication with, from them. Yeah. Uh, one couple, uh, they, they planted and passed their church for like, I don't even know, 30 years or something. And he handed it off to his son. And now he is, um, he's pursuing like a coaching, a coaching, consulting business and we've been friends with them for years and they're just um they have so much wisdom i've i've yet to be disappointed and in, in an answer you know when when we have a tough question to ask them they always bring such wisdom and another couple that lives here locally and actually go to the church with us um they've pastored in numerous church contexts one uh, they lived in oregon for a while and uh pastor church there and and uh, they they have been a real safe place for us. Having uh, having friends outside your church has always mm-hmm. been for, for forever, always yeah. you know in, in a ministry time context. Because there's just times when you have an issue with somebody, and you can't talk to anybody in the church about it because you don't want anyone to think ill of them. You know, like 
they have to be, you know, whoever they're going to church with, you want to, you want to speak well of them and you want them to be people to have compassion on them, right. not, you know, not be on my side. Like, right. <laughs> I don't want anyone on my side or on that person's side. I want to bring everybody together. Right. So it's, it's always been super valuable for us to have friendships, like mentor, mentor, friendships, friendships where you, you, you don't necessarily need anything from each other, but you can, you enjoy one another's company and, and you right. can be a, be a sounding board for each other and, and offer whatever little bits of wisdom that you can for their circumstances. Having a lot of those type of relationships that are not a part of my church. <laughs> right. That's, that's always been, been uh, really good. But in terms of challenges, um, it is probably the biggest challenge uh, is we made a decision from the get-go that if Amanda was going to be the pastor, not knowing how resistant the, ch- the church would be to the idea of, of responding to a, f- a woman's leadership, we decided we would n- make it as, as plain as possible. So not give me any role at all. I'm not on the board. I'm not on like our, our le- leadership team. I, I am s- just serve on teams. That's it. Wow. I, don't, I don't have any kind of institutional authority. Um, but I... I do function on those teams. And so when I see something happening that needs to change and I don't have the authority to deal with it, and I'm sure women have to deal with this all the time. Um, the only way, and then, and then like the pastor doesn't see it because she's not, she's not on the, she doesn't play an instrument. She's not on the worship team. You know, she doesn't, she's not on the maintenance team. She doesn't fix things. You know, she doesn't see, uh, you know, she doesn't necessarily see the dynamic on, on, at the team level because she's, you know, leading her staff and, right. and, and, you know, doing her job for, you know, working with our, our, our core team or board or whatever you want to call it, like to make decisions, keep the church moving forward. She's mapping out the entire year of sermon series and, and mm-hmm. organizing our teaching team. And, you know, she's just, she's building the church, you know? Right. So, so if I see something that's like happening, like on, one of my, the teams that I'm serving on, that's like, that's not good. You know, we need to fix, we need to fix this. There's, I have no recourse to, if I, I, if I talk to the person directly, I have no, I cannot compel them with any authority to change what they're doing. If they disagree with what I say, they don't have to change. And if, and if that doesn't work, the only, the only recourse I have left is to go and tell Amanda. (laughs) And now I'm tattling. On, yeah. on on them and so which which will make them feel less safe around me like if they feel like they have to walk on eggshells around me because i might tattle on them and go tell the yeah. pastor that they did something bad or whatever then it's just it's it's already already a slippery slope people are on, on walking on eggshells around you already just because right. they don't they don't want to like they won't talk the same that they talk like like i know for a fact that this guy you know drinks whiskey and loves whiskey, but he won't ever drink whiskey with me, you know, because right. I'm afraid he, he, he what, what, what am I going to think of him, you know, right. or, or this person, I know for a fact that, 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 you know, with their other friends, they maybe are a little more cavalier with their speech and say swear words and stuff like that. I don't care, right. but they don't, they sanitize themselves for me, you know, when they're around right. me and, you know, you get the sense that you, that you don't want to be invited to the party because if you get invited to the party, no one will have any fun because they right. can't have fun in front of you, you know? 
Right. If I, if I, that's a if big I issue. On, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I tattle on somebody, it's just going to exacerbate that whole issue yeah. and make people feel even less safe, like they have to sanitize themselves when they're around me. Yeah. I don't want, I no, don't I'm that. actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's something that I face that I don't, I, I think I've maybe talked about it with maybe one person on the podcast, maybe one or two. Um, but I don't often tell people in my town that my husband is the, is a pastor because of that response of, I know I'm yeah. going to be treated differently. And I just want people to be themselves around me. Mm-hmm. If you swear, if you drink, if you, I'm not judging you. If you tell me that you've watched something, you know, and that's where I struggle with. And so I'm glad that you're bringing that up because I've always felt like, am I, I'm, am I hiding this? But I just want people to be themselves around me. I hate that feeling of yeah. exactly what you said. Yeah. And then, and then you feel like, well, how do I make them comfortable? Do I just have to drink and, and swear, <laughs> drink and, swear. <laughs> and, and be bad, you know, on purpose in front of them so that they feel okay being bad. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that necessarily either. And unless, unless that would be what is normal for, I want to be who I am. Like I want right. to be, behave the way and speak the way and use the words that I use. Like I use them, you know? Right. But, but yeah, it, you know, so you'll, it's like, you're damned if you don't, you're damned if you do. If, if you try right. to, if you try to like do full on personality mirroring, just do whatever they're doing, then you risk reinforcing right. something that's maybe a legit struggle in their life, you know, right. which you don't, which you don't want to do. But if I, if I'm, you know, only subtly mirror their personality, so as to make conversation more fluid, but I, because I, I mean, I've even encountered this. I had a literal conversation with a man in the church where I told him, I just, I just peeled back the, the, the veil and just said, I talk a particular way when I'm talking with you because of your personality. And if I just, if, if I am just being myself, the, the truest version of myself, I would not get a word in edgewise in this conversation. Well, not necessarily like that. It was, it's more like, uh, he has a, he has a very particular way of, of conversing that intimidates me. Mm. And I have to believe because he tells me so that he doesn't have any intention of being intimidating. He wants me to be bold and push back, you know, and, and be argumentative and pushy. And that's what he, that's the kind of conversation he enjoys. You know, he likes to be, he likes to be pushed. He wants to be roughed up, you know, that's not me, but I do it on purpose when I'm with him, because I know it, the conversation is more invigorating for him and he feels more engaged and connected with me. When I told him that, I, when I finally told him that, like he was upset and, and really, was like, yeah, he wanted me to stop it. I, I, you know, I don't want you to pretend to be something you're not. I'm not. And I'm like, I'm not pretending. These are my real thoughts. They're just going through a particular filter that looks and sounds more like you, but he didn't, I mean, he didn't like it and wanted yeah. me to, wanted me to, he wanted to, you to be yourself, be myself. And so it, that's like, really fascinating. Cause I don't, I don't think this is where I don't think me being a woman would ever say to another woman. I talk differently when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I wish I could do that because yeah. I'm sure, you know, see what, what happens. I, I just walk away and I'm like, oh, I'm going to avoid that person. But the res- the correct, you know, avenue is probably just saying, and, and look, you know, it, it probably cleared there, but you know, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it has taken a lot of practice right? yeah. because it, it's the thing you're trying to connect people with Jesus. Like they connect with Jesus through you, through each other. Like if you, 
if they want to see God, if they want to see Jesus at work, they have to see him at work in our lives. And so if I am only able to relationally connect with other people that are like me, uh, I am seriously hampering my ability to be able to connect people with Jesus through my life, you know? Right. And so I, I just decided a long time and, and I'm naturally like just a very timid, a very emotional, you know, person and not, most men are not like that. And so, and so when you, and, you know, if, if whatever language you use, type A, type B, Enneagram language, you know, when, when you get a, a four with an eight, you know, like, Right. This, does, this doesn't work, you know, like right. a person or a person who, who, you know, like some people have an extreme difficulty with speaking at all. Like they're the quiet one in conversations, usually the men and the women carry the conversation in, in a mixed gender situation, like a small group. It's like pulling teeth to get a man to talk, you know? Mm. And, but then on the other extreme, there are some people, men and women alike who can't shut up. Like they can't stop talking. And so right. for those, those people need you to interrupt them. Like right. I'll, 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 this, I don't know if this is necessarily the case everywhere, but most of the female conversations that I participate in are based on interruption. Like men, male conversations are turn-based. You say your thing, you finish. Now you say your thing and now you finish. And then with women, like somebody will start talking and then that'll make somebody think of something and they'll, stop them mid sentence over and over and over. And they eventually make their way back to the, you know, to the thing that they were talking about initially, but it goes in these little rabbit trails and it's like this beautiful dance, you know, that men don't, I don't know how to do that at all. You know? So if I can't talk with women, you know, like, again, this is the back to the personality mirroring thing. Like if, if I can't talk with women, that's half the freaking church, you know, like I have to, I have to be able to talk to women, you know, and not be weird. And, you know, and, but I also have to be able to talk with, the hyper-aggressive, you know, eight, that's like, they're just in your face and they're intense and intimidating. Like you have to be able to match their intensity, just push just as hard because that's what they love. That's what they're begging. They can't understand why, you know, everyone is intimidated by them. They just, I just want people to love me. I just want to be connected just like everybody else. You know, why, why do you run away every time I raise my voice? And you're like, you realize you're shouting right now. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like the theme, what I've seen from you so far, just in our short conversation is you seem like you are intent on showing people Jesus and being and bringing unity. And I love that, you know, I just, I see that in you that it's more important, like his church is more important than some sort of, you know, division or somebody's opinion or my way and your way. And, um, so I think that's, I, I really see that in you just in our brief conversation. Yeah. I, the thing about the thing about unity is that's the thing that's destroying unity in our churches, in our party system, our political party system is anger and fear and panic. When people feel unsafe, when they feel afraid, when they feel angry, uh, when they feel panic, they divide themselves into safe camps of other mm. people like them. If you want people to be together with other people that are not like them, you have to like suck all yeah. the fear, all the panic, all the, you know, the, the anxiety, just suck it like poison out of every yeah. group that you're a part of. 
to make people feel safe so that they can stick around with each other long enough to realize these people are great. You know, like they, people want to be connected and they, when they feel afraid or they feel panic or they feel anxiety, they, it's too hard. They won't do it. So you are trend setting in many ways. If you were going to talk to somebody else who is stepping into the role that you are in, what is some advice that you would give to them? Mm, like it, like another man who's going to be, whose wife is going to be a pastor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, man, I think, I think, I think you just, you got to be willing to work really hard mm-hmm. and, and, and be satisfied if nobody ever knows it, you know, Wow. Uh, just decide, just decide yeah. you're good with it. You're, you're um, cause you're a team, mm. you know, and, and I, everybody has their own gifts and, and calling and stuff, but, but you know, your, your wife is doing a hard job and it's not a job that, does, that works well done alone ever, yeah. you know? And so you got to work, you got to put it, put in the work to make, cause if, if you're, if you're not committed to your church succeeding, you know, in its mission, like growing new people mm-hmm. coming to Jesus, you know, children being discipled and, and being taught how to pray and be taught the stories in the Bible, you know, prayer ministry that's powerful and effective, you know, that, mm. that transforms people's lives. People are receiving, you know, healing and re- reconciliation. You know, if, if you want your church to succeed, you got to be the hardest working person in the church, you know, wow. like every, just unless, unless you just specifically know, like that you'll never ever be able to do that. And that really you're an accountant. And the only thing you do is number, like whatever it is you do that you're good at, that you, that you bring to the relationship, you have, you're a a team, you're a team. You have to, can't, you you can't have half the team expect, expecting the other half to do all all the work because they're the the pastor. Right. Um, That's really good. And I like that you say, you don't expect people to notice, like you do it. And no, you know, there's so many times it's just a thankless, I don't want to say job, but it's, you just, yeah, it, it's hard sometimes to be working and supporting and doing so much. Um, and you know, when there are those times where you're like, does anybody notice how hard I'm, you know, or, yeah. you know, what's, where's some, you want some sort of tangible thing in that moment of seeing something. And so yeah. You don't, you don't always get that. And that's what ministry is, you know, not, you're not always, you're not going to get the pat on the back. Um, and I love how so obvious it is that you are supportive of your wife and you're like, you know, you're, you belong here. Like you're, this oh, yeah. is your gift things. And you know, it, it's really, that's yeah, awesome. You, you gotta be, you gotta be the most unrelentingly supportive you know yeah. like because it's sometimes it's a discouraging job and you know or or right. you have or you have like <laughs> so, sometimes like there have been times when amanda for lack of time because she's had some other thing that she's had to do has read 
verbatim stuff that I wrote for her sermon, <laughs> you know, like not never an entire sermon or anything like that. But there are things where it's just like, there are not enough hours in the day. I have to say this, I don't know how to say it. And it's going to take me hours to figure it out. Can you just do it? That's awesome. And, you know, I will do the research and write and whatever and hand it to her. No one will ever know, you know, she's not going to say, Hey, my husband wrote this, right. you know, like it's coming from us, you know, right. But and there's, that's how there's, it should be. Yeah. There's times when it's just going to be like that, you know, yeah. like we're a team, the team needs to get this done. What, how do we get it done? You know, right. between what, between what we're both good at. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. a thing. Um, oh, another thing I would, I would say to any, any person who's going into active ministry as a lay, a lay person or a, or a spouse of somebody who's, um, you just have to be absolutely unbreakable mm. in soft heartedness. Like wow. I, I'm going to be kind no matter what, it doesn't matter how mean a person is or how, uh, angry they get when you say something or do something and you know they like i have <laughs> i have literally <laughs> i'm gonna get emotional now uh I've, I've spent time on the phone with people and they're just losing their minds mad you know about wow. something and and I, I just you stay on the phone you keep the camera you keep them in it like don't yeah hang, don't hang up stay with me we're gonna Let's, we, let's keep going. I think we're getting somewhere in the hour, an hour later, you right. know, the person, the person's finally taking a rational tone, you know, right. Or, or once, once, I mean, just bad stuff, like people, people ditch their marriages, you know, like people kill themselves or right. have a die by, I mean, like people that you work with, you know, yeah. Uh, there, there was a time a, a while ago where there's a lady that um, she, had three kids and she was penniless, had nothing. And, mm. um, and she was, we, we got her a job at the church and she was living in like a government housing or whatever. We got her a job at the church and we fundraised and got her a minivan so she could drive back and wow. forth. Cause was, we were just having to go get her, you know, drive, drive and pick her up and bring her to the church, bring her food, bring her all this stuff. And, uh, she, she struggled real bad with, with mental health issues and, one of her sisters attempted suicide and uh and she was unsuccessful in her attempt but her this woman that we were that we knew she was so distraught of the whole thing that she that same night she hung herself in her bathroom and there's just and you open your heart to people you know and and you love them and you pour pour your time and, and your effort into them and then something like that happens and everything in you wants to just be like, well, I'm never doing that again. Right. You know, I'm, I'm never letting a messy person get tangled up in my heart, you know, right. uh, but it's just not an option. You just, it can't, right. it can't ever, ever be an option. Right. Like you, you have to stay soft hearted and, um, and so, and that's a tough one for a lot, for a lot. Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> I, it, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't it's know. intentional. It's a it's, constant intentional yeah. thing yeah. that you pursue. It's a decision. It's like, yeah. like a decision so that true. you're making in your marriage, you know, like you don't always just feel great about the right. relationship, but you choose it. Like, right. no, I, I choose this relationship. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this relationship successful. 
it's like that. You just have to choose it over and over right. and over. Like, I am not going to get hard. I'm not going to get hard hearted. I'm not going to get bitter right. or mean. I'm not going to be passive aggressive or openly aggressive. I'm going right. to, and if I, if I, I might be absolutely furious at somebody or at some situation. And the minute that I realize that I'm doing it, I, <laughs> right. you just have to be like, no, right. No, it's really true. It's it, being soft hearted in ministry. You know, when you start to harden your heart, it's just like you, it's so hard to be effective. It's oh, so yeah. hard to be effective in ministry, near impossible when you have a hard heart, you know? So I think that's, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my advice. Yeah. I like up it. And, up, and, up and coming male pastor's wife. <laughs> I like that. So um, as we're winding down, what are you passionate about right now in ministry, in your ministry with your wife? What's just um, gets you, you know, your heart pumping that you're passionate about and loving right now? Uh, I, I think, so the, I mean, go, coming out of a, coming out of a, of a, a pandemic season, the church is divided in some senses. Like there are people that still only, only watch online. And, uh, and of course I su support their decision. Um, but it's felt, I think for a lot of people, it's felt like we are in like a holding pattern, yeah. like waiting for something and nobody, and I don't even know if they, anybody even knows what it is. Like right. we're waiting for things to open back up. What does that mean? You know, right. You, what are you not allowed to do that you, you know, open back up the restaurants and bars. They're open. Everything's open. You can do anything you want. What are you waiting for? You know, mm. like, obviously you want people to be safe and cautious and, you know, get vaccinated and all that so that they can be even, even more, you know, social or whatever. But it's like the church has fallen into this permanent um, holding pattern where they're waiting, mm. waiting for somebody to tell them what to do, tell them to get to work. And, and even, even more so like the church that, that we're in branches. I mean, their pastor, the previous pastor, Tom, he's an awesome, awesome pastor, but, but for the last probably six months of his ministry, he was just trying to survive, you know? Yeah. And so it felt like the church didn't really have a whole lot of strong vision or direction, you know, to go like there was no excitement. It was just right. like, it was just like, we just need to make Sunday happen so we can all go right. home and, and rest. Everybody was exhausted. And so what I am passionate about at coming into a situation like that is uh, I need to build the teams up, get people, yeah. um, get people some rest that need it mm. so that they're not the only one doing everything there. There's any, anything that would create a sense of momentum and excitement Right. Like dumb stuff, stuff that I know how to do, you know, like, or that I, that I don't need authority to do. Cause that's, that's the thing, you know, like I can't just barge into, you know, Hey, let's, why don't we try these leadership principles on these, on this team and see right. how they work. Like I don't have, I can't do that. So like our, our actual facility is um, it was an old youth club. So we meet in a gymnasium. And it looks like a gymnasium. It feels like a gymnasium. And when we first got there, like who's going to want to stack up 200 chairs to play a game of basketball? Nobody. It's never happening. Not going to happen. Uh, so the basketball stuff never gets used. And I was like, this is, let's, this, 
is makes this room look like a gym when we're not ever going to use it as a gym again, you know, uh, I'm just going to sell it all. And I rented a lift and by myself just took it all down. (laughs) And, And like, there was like these ceiling fans that had these protective ugly cages around them and they were caked with dirt and oh. took took it all down washed off the ceiling fans and gleaming white you know and people come in and they uh, people don't look up <laughs> nobody notices they didn't even notice <laughs> well they do they they don't notice why it looks different Take, yeah they feel different they feel right like something's happening you know and that's that's what excitement is built on. Yeah. It's a sense of something's happening. Yeah. Uh, there's possibility, you know, where they're, right. you know, and I mean to tell you, there was a 72 foot long vinyl curtain, like the divider curtain that comes down, you know, and it's bright red, like day glow red, literally slicing right down the middle of our, our auditorium. And I was like, this is hideous. How is this church gone six years and this thing hasn't been taken down? It's so ugly. It's so un- uninviting. And, and they're like, oh, well, what are we going to do with it? You know, I'm like, sell it. And who would want to buy that? If you don't know until you try. <laughs> I, I literally just put one Facebook marketplace ad, one, and sold all of it. Like wow. all of it, all of it. Like, let's say five basketball hoops, big ones, like the kind with the winch that like, you know, wow. lower down. Right. Big ones, the curtain, the wall pads. I mean, it's just you know, get it out of here. Yeah. Like we need to, yeah, we need to, we need to carry on. Like this church intends to chug along for years. Like this, this is never going to be a gym again. This is a church plant your feet. We're here to stay, you know? And so I think, yeah, just what, what it feels like the church needs is they're, they're sick of treading water. Like people want, well, they want to get to work. They want to move. They want to see the church do something. They want to, um, you know, they want to get their youth group going again. They want to get small groups going again. They want to be together. They want to, they are getting excited about the Bible again. You know, like Mm. they want to talk about anything, anything other than COVID. Like I'm sick of talking about COVID. Like let's learn the Bible, you know? Yeah. And, And so in every way that we can, like me specifically to make, whatever alterations to the building or to our Facebook page or to Mm -hmm. our, our, you know, like we bought a live stream camera finally and stopped using someone's cell phone to, you know, to bring a little bit more quality and, you know, got an an audio feed to it, you know, so that people can actually hear the teaching. Anybody that was older couldn't hear anything. And, you know, it's just anything that you can just plug holes and make it feel like this is, this is a real church. This yeah. is no longer a church plant. Like we're here to stay. And right. The kingdom of God is coming and it's coming fast. We got to, mm. we got to move, you know? Yeah. Bring some uh, life and excitement back to what yeah. has just been such, you know, like you said, just going through the motions, you mm-hmm. know, trying to survive. So yeah. that's great. So yeah. what, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, that that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. It won't be that way forever, but it just seems like that's. And I think it's needed. It's so needed. Yeah. I think that's the thing that the church is just. In in some ways, a church is carried by its leaders and Mm. the heavy spots in the church. That's where I want to, I want to be. I want to carry the hard stuff. Yeah. Give me the, 
give me the heavy yeah. stuff. And, uh, and, that, and that's, that's great like because I'm sure, you know, that, like you said, you're not in a leadership role because of the situation. And I'm sure the leaders just need that. You know, your wife needs yeah. to see it. You're excited. You're, you're doing things. You're because that will lift her and carry her in times where she's, you know, just tired and, yeah. you know, so yeah. that's great. So what are some ways, you know, you and your wife have done ministry for 15 years. Um, your wife is the lead pastor of a church. You serve right alongside her. You guys serve together. What are some ways that you care for yourself and you get fed so that you can keep pouring out in the way that God has called you to? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, uh, taking an actual day off every single week <laughs> is, is super, super critical. We take uh, Mondays off, uh, and that kind of makes it seem like we have a, a bit of a bit of a weekend because Sunday is a work day for right. your, your church leaders, you know, your pastors in specific it and like waiting worship for multiple services or teaching for multiple services. It's like, it's work, you know? And, yeah. um, so you're tired. So Monday, uh, we, we guard it pretty, pretty, good. you know, pretty faithfully. Like most people don't get, uh, you know, <laughs> don't get their text messages returned or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's a, a good one is, and we do our devotions together every day. Oh, wow. uh, I feel like that is, it's vital in helping us obviously stay connected to the Lord, but, um, but it's us connecting to the Lord together. Um, right. Uh, and there's a, there's a certain amount of vulnerability because we read the scripture out loud to each, to each other, mm -hmm. we, you know, chapter by chapter, we take turns mm -hmm. and we pray out loud. We have a list, you know, a list that we pray through, um, that we keep updated with whatever stuff is pressing in the moment. Um, but I think, yeah, taking, taking a day off together every week, obviously mm -hmm. if you've got kids and stuff, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get some, get some alone time, take turns with your kids and whatnot. We don't have any children, so we don't have that issue. Um, but yeah, doing our devotions together is a big one. Taking a vacation. If you can take one at least once a year is a good one. Right. Uh, and I think going back to what I said before, like just having, um, if you have to, you have to operate from a, a surplus, like mm. in every area of your life. If you intend to be outputting emotionally into people's lives through relationship, well, then you need to be intentionally cultivating life-giving relationships to supply the reservoir, you know, right? <clears throat> uh, like, and that's, that's with everything, your, your physical body, you know, exercising and stuff like that. You're eating as good as you can eat, you know when you're constantly going to restaurants to meet two people for coffee and whatever, you know, there's got to try to find some, eat some vegetables at some point, but mm. op operating from some set, some abundance, you know, yeah, I like that emotionally, spiritually. Like if, yeah. if your sermon prep time is your devotional time, like you're, you're in bad shape, right? You need to have actual meaningful time with Jesus. That's not going to produce anything except just, the image of Jesus in your life, you know? Right. Uh, so operating from a, an abundance with your, you know, 
spirituality and so that what you what you output on Sundays and in your small groups and in your band practices and in your children's ministry classroom what comes out there is should be something that and coming from a place of abundance right. not not like scrape at the bottom of the barrel right. like here here you go kids you know right that's you, so true and that makes so much sense you can't give what you don't have you know yeah and it's shocking staggering how many pastors um they get to a place where the only time they're reading the bible is to study for Mm. sermon writing uh and the only time they pray is because they have to and you know I, i mean obviously i'm making broad generalizations here but you overextend yourself for long enough that you right. get to you get to that, pl- that place and it's really hard to come back from that without yes. like some sort of catastrophic plan like i'm taking a sabbatical for three months you know right and who can do or, that <laughs> yeah right who, who what church has the resources to be able to send their you know give their pastor a three-month break with pay you know very few statistically speaking so yeah you got to be you got to be feeding the tank you know right, all, for all sure. the time F- filling the tank with with your, of your marriage, you know, spending time together and and whatever it takes, you know, like for us doing our devotions together, growing spiritually together, often like sometimes we'll read, read the same book and go through a book together or whatever. But a lot of times with with her in school, she reads a lot of stuff that I don't read. So that doesn't always work, but yeah, those, those are a few things, just trying to, trying to stay operating from in a place of abundance, which is again, like, it's just, you just got to be like, you just have to think of it. Think of all of those things, yeah. your, your disciplines as like, I, it's not negotiable, you know, right. like, I, I met, to I, do this. yeah, yeah. I met, I met some missionaries on the mission field one time We've we've spent uh, time overseas uh, doing mission work as, as a part of our other ministry stuff. There's a Korean couple, we were in a country called Tajikistan and uh, there was a Korean couple there and that was, the prayer was like, their thing, you know, and, mm. um, there had just been, oh gosh, I can't remember. It was a, it was some disaster, a flood or an earthquake or something. And it was like, we've got to, we've got to get clean drinking water to thousands of people, wow. like somehow as fast as possible. And the guy in the, in the face of all that work was like, man, we're going to have to pray uh, up our prayer time in the mornings. Like, <laughs> like his his automatic response to having an overwhelming amount of work to do was well we're just gonna have to up our prayer time wow. we're, just, we're just gonna have to pray more we'll never make it through this if we're if we're just only wow. praying praying for two hours in the morning instead of five you know and so we did we got, we, we got up at like five in the morning and we spent like five hours a day in prayer and worship before we'd go out and do the day we did this for like a i mean I, they just kept going with it I, we were only there for like a month but it was insane. Like they were, That's they were insane. Yeah. But they were, they were thinking the long game. Right. Like I need right. to, I, whatever I'm doing, how I need to burn this intensely right. for the rest of my life. And that's really wise. Like, obviously people are listening. They're not going to, you know, up their prayer time to five hours, but right, like right. going along with that, um, that discipline and that idea of like, you know, we, we do need to increase our prayer time, our time with the Lord, you know, um, when you're faced with opposition and a lot of times we shrink back. So I think that's a great 
you know, that's, that's something that's so wise. It doesn't have to be five hours. If you're listening, no, just yeah. <laughs> anything, anything that's right. faithful, anything that's faithful and life-giving. That's another thing too, that, that I could say with, with our journey too, just staying fed, you know, like right. uh, the same thing, you can't just do the same things forever. Like your, your personal time with God is, is your personal time with God. You would never expect your spouse to go to the exact same restaurant week after week, after week, after week, and, and just keep loving it. You know, mm. like you got to change it up every once in a while. And so we've, you know, we've, we have like certain liturgical prayers that we recite together. Um, we used to, we used to do the, the book of common prayer. We did that for a couple of years. It was super life-giving for a time. And then we were like, ah, I'm kind of getting bored with this. And, um, we switched last year. We did like a, a Bible in a, in a year plan and that was cool. And uh, so this year we decided we do two, we do the, the new Testament in a year parallel with the old Testament in a year. So we would have more of a mm-hmm. <clears throat> more new, new and old Testament stuff to look at every day instead of just plowing your way through the old Testament and then finally, finally make it to the new Testament. You right. know? Um, the way that we pray, sometimes we pray with a list you know, sometimes we just right. pray, pray whatever comes to our heads and mm. we're, we're in a season now where we're, where we're doing the list again and really liking it. But sometimes you, after a while of doing it, you get, get to where you right. feel like this is, I feel like I'm just, you know, punching the scratching right. these name, names off the list. This isn't life giving anymore, you know? So you get, I've never, never get committed to the memes. Like, mm. you know, just if it's, if you're not feeling it and you're not connecting with God, just ditch it, try something different, yeah. you know? meditate we've been meditating we started oh gosh i want to say maybe six months ago uh just starting a clock and so we'll mm. we'll sit down we'll do our read our passages we do like a, a welcoming prayer on the holy spirit welcome uh type of liturgical prayer mm. and then and then we set the clock and i think we've been going i want to say like seven minutes just like seven minutes wow. of, of like silent um meditation and so for us, that, that typically looks like just having one sentence that you just sort of pray over and over like a breath, a breath prayer. Mm. And, and then when that's done, when the timer goes off, we switch to just praying out loud and we pray through mm. our list and, and then we finish with the Lord's prayer. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's feeling really life-giving for us at this, mm. at this season, but in a year, we'll probably change it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be bored and, Think, that's you know, good as long as you're not i i like that don't be married to it you know you can and yeah i think that's really wise yeah I, i'm so, married to jesus I, yeah I'm not, I, I'm not married to the, the means by which i connect with jesus yes <laughs> i love that well thank you so much this was such a fun conversation yeah um, I really it too. inspiring and you know, I, I'm going to put your information in the show notes and this way people will be able to check out the videos and know how to reach out to you. Um, but I, I feel just encouraged and inspired by your story and your ministry. And so thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm truly, truly, uh, have enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening today. I just had a great time talking to Justin. I'm going to put some information about Justin in our show notes and the videos that he does. So check those out. Also, if you need prayer, please visit our website or you can email joyforministry.com, joyforministry at gmail.com. We would love to pray for you. Also grab one of our journals today for you, for a friend. 
We have video series coming out on those so that you can do them in small groups with other women in ministry, other pastor's wives. Listen, you don't need to be a pastor's wife to get this journal. This is for all women in ministry, whether it's vocational ministry, whether you're married to somebody who serves in ministry, whether you serve in children's church, worship team, grab this, check it out. Um, I think that you will really enjoy doing it, especially when our video series comes out. You can do it with a few friends. Also, stay tuned for next week's episode. Um, I'm excited for our next guest. So I will see you next week. And share this episode with a friend. And please like us, rate us, subscribe. See you next week.